the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420 The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Good afternoon, everybody. Uh, let's start thinking positively. You will face many defeats in life, but never let yourself be defeated. The greatest glory in living lies not in never falling, but in rising every time we fall. I think that was Nelson Mandela. In the end, it's not the years in your life that count. It's the life in your years. And that guy knew it better than anybody. That's Abe Lincoln. Never let the fear of striking out keep you from playing the game. Babe Ruth. And then finally, this is for all you young people in a, if you want to make it rich, this is how you do it. It is a matter of shame that in the morning, the birds should be awake earlier than you. <laughs> there we go. Okay, as we always talk about on this show, uh, you know, the, you can get a lot of stuff from us. And I think I'm on the right track. And I'll tell you why. When no one calls in for anything, that I recommend, it's a home run. You know, I talked about the software, the the, uh, the media, internet, software, and technology conference. For four months, nobody sent in once for it. They were the best-performing stock in the stock market for the last two and a half years. That's all. <laughs> so I've been talking about energy, the U, the RBC Capital Markets Global Energy Power and Infrastructure Virtual, virtual Conference. Nobody sent into it, so I'm on to some. And the U.S. Electrical Grid. If you don't think this is important, if you think this, these electric cars are going to work, that's how they're going to work, folks. Anyway, we also have a whole bunch of stuff uh, on those pages. Uh, you know, in, Insight, we've got a, a thing on infrastructure and green metals, which I think is important. And also, uh, we have a business owner's guide to transition planning. Believe me, for you guys trying to sell a business, uh, we can help in a big way. Uh, Money Matters for Young Professionals, uh, Women and Wealth. It's a planning workbook and our Savvy Investors Credit Workbook, too. So we also have a dividend growth portfolio on the prime income list and, and our top ideas, small cap and all cap. And uh, so it's good stuff out there. Um, I don't want to say that we're we're pretty good on this show. <laughs> Don't want to pat myself on the back, but, um, you know, this week in Barron's, I've been talking about energy stocks now for two and a half months. In Barron's, oil and oil, oil, and oil services on a new bull run was the question. <laughs> so we, we're beating Barron's by a month and a half, too. Uh, so there we go. Okay. Um, One other thing I want to talk about is we're going to get bumped by football uh, on October 10th, October 16th, and October 23rd. So uh, if you don't hear us, we're not there. And there won't be, you know, I'm not going to podcast the show those three weeks either, okay? So uh, 
you know, if you're one of my clients, it's not a problem. You just pick up the phone. If you're not, well, I can't help you. You know, um, so I, I've been talking to uh, several strategists and uh, some pretty smart ones. And Lori Calcavina, I think, Calvacina, I'm sorry, I don't get that name right eventually. She's our head strategist, and she's very good. She was just on RBC. Uh, uh, she, she was just on CNBC, not RBC, uh, this week. And um, she said, uh, you know, a couple things. Number one, a lot of strategists are turning bearish, okay? The professional prognic, uh, well, let's, 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 let's put it this way. The professionals out there aren't the only ones who are down in the dumps. I'll just leave it at that. Uh, last week, the American Association of Individual Investors, I told you, dropped dropped from 39 down to 27. This week, it fell to 22. It's one of the largest two-week falls in, in history. I think there was 10 other. Some tells me, just being a contrarian, now it's not the time. Okay? We have five major strategists going bearish. And, you know, look, I think this is a very encouraging sign for the stock market. Um, the other thing I'll talk about is the option market. And I'll talk about that later in the show, but you know, the put to call ratio ain't up there. All right. So uh, now look, the cyclicals are dragging down earnings sentiment. And I think the part of the problem is, is that you're seeing deterioration there, but part of the problem is they can't manufacture stuff because they're all on boats in California or on the East coast. They're just floating around the ocean right now. Uh, I'm not sure what the problem is as far as getting all the stuff off the off the boards unless they have, you know, months and months of stuff. But if you're wondering why, you know, whatever you ordered is in delayed, it's probably on a boat in California or on the East Coast floating around there someplace. So I, I think uh, the deterioration has been driven by cyclicals. Uh, while secular growth has stayed strong at the high end of its historical range, by the way, and defensive uh, stocks have also stayed uh, resilient too. So that's kind of an interesting thing. Uh, you know, that normally happens when markets are peaking. Okay? Uh, what we're seeing on supply chains offers some glimmers of hope, I think, because supply chain problems have contributed to the recent deterioration, both investor uh, and earnings sentiment, by the way. With many companies participating in post-Labor Day conferences, they're talking about that not happening. So it'll be interesting. Now, one of the things that Lori does is she talks about the, uh, the American Association Individual Investors Bulls Less Bears. And if you look, you know, back on April, uh, the bulls were, were above 30%. That's a sell signal. But when they get below negative 20% or, or negative 10%, I should say, it's usually a buy. So we're there now. So it'll be interesting doesn't happen to happen open, o- overnight or anything like that, but, you know, it's something to think about. Now, if you listen to the Fed this week, uh, Tom Porcelli, our head uh, economist, uh, he thinks investors should be far more focused on what's going to happen in 2022. And he thinks there's going to be at least one rate hike, uh, if not two, by the way. The 11 Fed officials presently in the no-hike camp lifted their estimates. So uh, you know, that usually means that, you know, there may be more than that. So two is probably what he's thinking. The same idea applies to 2023, but that's still pretty far away. And by the way, you know, uh, one of the things that I was reading some uh, research from Argus, and uh, 
their proprietary treasury bond yield model is signaling that bond yields, which have declined more than 40 basis points since March, are too low based on the investment fundamentals. And, and their model takes into account such factors as current yields, GDP growth, and long-term inflation, as well as stock prices, earnings, and all that stuff. So they think that the 10-year, the current yield on the 10-year should be 3.4%. That's two percentage points away right now, okay? So we'll see what happens, all right? Uh, now, I'm also supposed to say at this time <laughs> that uh, this is a live show. You can call in to this uh, to the thing and ask a question. The number here is 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0945. Now, I was reading um, my good friend Tom Lee. He's he's I think he's a dynamite. Uh, you know, he and Laurie Calvacina have. Uh, if you put those two together, they haven't been wrong. They've been they've been hitting the cover off the ball as far as being right. Okay, uh, and one of the things he talks about is is that if you look, the the COVID trends are very promising right now. That's good. Uh, he he also talked about the. Uh, the psychopaths out there and, and some of the stuff that's going on, like, uh, you know, there was a, uh, on car mines on the Upper West Side of New York, they attacked the hostess for asking for him to, you know, show back vaccinations and Melbourne construction sites were shut down because of crazy stuff, you know, and he says, are those psychopaths out there? I mean, there's Wall Street full of psychopaths. But anyway, one thing he did mention, and they had an interview with Ray Dalio on Bloomberg and on CNBC. And he said a couple things that I think are – Ray Dalio is a smart guy. This is Bridgewater. He's one of the most innovative guys out there. Uh, so I thought it was kind of interesting. Um, he said he didn't think that Evergrande is Lehman. Okay, it's not a Lehman moment, all right? Uh, also, he said China is not reverting back to communism. He said – and this, this is a very true statement. China is more capitalist than Europe because Europe, they're over – you know, they're, they're socialist uh, – you know, mayhem over there. But, um, and, and China's goal is now common prosperity. They want everybody to be in, in good shape. And I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, look, uh, one of the things that I saw Monday was the amount of margin calls. Uh, when they hit, they hit down 500, the margin calls were coming out the wazoo. So people were margin to the hilt. So I think we got rid of that. And that's kind of, uh, a good thing. But if you look, you know, the VIX fell, uh, went straight up, it gapped up, and it went to 29, and then it fell the next day, which is positive. The 10-year yield fell and then went right back up. And uh, the financial conditions index for Bloomberg held its ground. So those are all positives, uh, very, very positives. And, uh, you know, uh, look, uh, somebody asked me, you know, are you going to buy bonds? I said, well, if I would buy bonds, I'd stay in the five to ten percent range or five to ten year range and uh, take it from there. <laughs> anyway, a couple other things. There's a big, big thing going on now called buy late, pay later, and this is probably going to disrupt e-commerce payments pretty big. So if you don't know what it is, uh, we had a great article on this. I can't send it out, if, you know, but buy now, pay later is is going to be a big disruptive case, I think, in, uh, on Wall Street going forward here. Now, uh, Rob Schleimer this week, and I'm going to go into a little bit more detail on his work in the second half of the show, but look, one of the things we're seeing is that the S&P, if you look at the monthly chart, 
or yearly chart, actually, go back to 2009. We're in an uptrend, a solid uptrend, but we're at the top of it, okay? Now, this is a monthly chart. So months take a long time, <laughs> what I'm trying to say. But the upside momentum is starting to slow a little bit, okay? It's, it's gone as high as it's been in a long, long time, and it's starting to slow a little bit. Now, out of the same mouth, you know, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, the short-term trading indicators are now oversold. You know, if we look at the, you know, the, the momentum indicators, what he called, he, he looks at uh, uh, a, a couple things, but, you know, the, the momentum indicators are very oversold. And we're at, you know, we, we broke the uptrend line dating back. And usually, you know, you can break it for a day or two. Um, but, you know, the other thing we looked at, like I said, is that the number of people who are bullish are now at 22%. So we were 39 two weeks, 39.7 two weeks ago. We're now at 22%. 22% is the lower end of the range, folks. That's just the way it is. And the 10-year, if everything's going to, you know, in a handbasket, why is the 10-year holding up? You know, the 10-year looks like it's a buy, not a sell, okay? And it's kind of interesting because the 200 is now above the 50-day, and the 50-day, if it were to turn up, that would give a huge buy signal uh, on that, and we'll see what happens. And, and the Russell is still range-bound. It didn't break down, all right? So we're not seeing the things that we see before a, you know, a major, you know, bull or bear collapse, whatever. Look, uh, one of the things that's, you know, that's, causing distress in China and the foreign markets is Evergrande. You know, this is the, I think this is the billionaire of all billionaires in China. Uh, and the question is, are they going to default? And their, you know, their bond payment was due last week and we went by without paying it. So the question is here, is the Chinese government going to step in? And I don't know what the uh, the outcome of that is because the Chinese government surprised us all Friday by saying no more cryptocurrency. It's now illegal to do cryptocurrency, okay? Illegal. That's probably going to hurt the Bitcoin business a little bit, I would suggest, uh, because what they're doing is they're taking the money out of China and moving it in other places. So they're buying Bitcoin, moving it, and then establishing another bank account someplace else. So I think this... Uh, you know, China has been a problem for some time. I think, uh, you know, Evergrande, if, you, if you've been watching that chart, uh, I mean, it was 35, it's two now. So it's not, it should be a, a big surprise to you, especially their eight and three quarters, uh, 2025 bonds. They're the ones that are really just got pummeled. Uh, you know, they were trading at 90 and now they're trading, I think they're below 20 at this point. So, uh, you know, there are some things going on that you've got to be careful with. However, I look at our markets, and technically, I mean, intermediate term, I'm kind of bullish. I, you know, long, long term, I'm bullish. Short term, I'm very bullish. And uh, sentiment, sentiment is now down in an area where you have to start to think about why is everybody so bearish all of a sudden? You know, I looked at the, one of the things that uh, Rob Schleimer always talks about is is the Lehman Brothers. Uh, economic surprise index, and uh, you know that's that's something that's really interesting because back in in the beginning of 2020 uh, or the end of 2020, I should say, it was very high. I mean, it's the highest I've ever seen it. And now 
we're back down to where you you know you're getting close to a buy, right? And the same with the you know you get that with the uh, uh, the AAII poll, and that's very important. So you know so you get, you know look the the city economic surprise is for the G10 is down, the the one for the U.S. is down far enough, and just turned up a little bit this week. So it should get really, really interesting going forward here, okay? Very, very interesting going forward. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a break. Don't forget, we're going to be bumped on 10-9, 10-16, and 10-23 for football. So if you hear football, you don't hear me, it's because I'm not there. All right, we're going to take a break. The phone number here is 216-901-0945. 216-901-0945. We'll be right back. Okay, we're back. The Smart Investor Show, and um, you know, I got a I got a call from David this week, uh, actually Friday, and he said, "Tim, what's going on? What's going on with gold?" And we're gonna get back to David's question, but first, we have John. John, how are you? Hey, Tim. How you doing? No complaints, sir. How are you? Great. Hey, you know, I, I appreciate um, – I, I, I really enjoyed the first part of the show so far. You know, I'm, I'm looking at a lot of these uh, – you're talking about how you're looking at the bearishness and everything else. And, and you know, and yet, do, do you think that the real retail investor has been scared away? Because I, I, I saw last – those two days, uh, what, Wednesday and Thursday, it seemed like the retail investor seemed to be jumping back in. And have you seen any numbers – that, 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 you know, that would lead you to think that the retail investor is kind of getting spooked. And also, one more thing is um, you're saying, uh, I know Tom Lee has said that there's going to be an everything rally. And do you, how does that line up with the seasonality? Because, you know, with earnings starting, does that, would that tend to go with the mega cap tech, or you think those would cool off a little bit? Because they seem to run up in advance of earnings, and would that take money away from, from you know, from the cyclicals and from the small caps? Uh, the small caps, uh, are in a consolidation, and if they break, I, th- I think it's two thousand or something like that. John, they're off to the races. Uh, but you know, uh, Tom's talking about the everything rally, and so far, with the exception of last Monday, he's been right uh, because what you're having is the advanced decline line is finally starting to turn up a little bit because it's been going sideways. But the American Association of Individual Investors are spooked. I mean that. They went from 39.7%, and in two weeks, they're 22%. So, you know, that tells me they're out. <laughs> All right? Yeah. I mean, that's, that, that's the key. Now, the, the professional prognicator is basically bearish now, too. So, you know, it's very rare that they, everybody gets it right. I'm just telling you. Now, yeah. seasonality, you know, look, uh, October is one of the best buying months in history. And, you know... There's a lot of stocks. Look, I, I said in January, I thought that at the end of February we'd start a corrected. Okay, and I was right, but it was underneath right, the surface. Yeah. yeah. So, but there's so many stocks. I mean, look, I look, I looked at a hundred large cap stocks at the S and P 500 this this morning. Okay, that are in corrective phases that look like they're turning up. I mean, a lot of oil. You know, it's stocks, interesting. By the way. Do you find it like? Um... I mean, are you are you looking at so? Cause it's like because what isn't it forty percent of the S and P is under the fifty day, or is it? Yeah, somewhere under. 
I mean, but, do, are you, know, you looking he, at those particular he, stocks or those that have exhibited strength yeah. of, of late? I, I look at the S and P 500 once a week, you know. So I mean, I'm just I just counted 100 stocks that are starting to turn up, that are down. They're down 15, 20 yeah. percent. Yeah. So and by the way, a lot of them are energy stocks. Nobody likes energy. Energy is now 4.5 percent of the S and P 500. Nobody owns energy because the ESG yeah. stuff. So uh, end of story. All right. Thanks, John. Great. Thank you so much. All right. See ya. Anyway, David asked about uh, gold. And, you know, if you look at the short term uh, on gold, it's below its 50-day and its 200-day moving average. However, it's in this consolidation, okay? And as long as it holds, uh, I think it's 1670, I think we're okay. Uh, some people disagree with me on that. That's okay. But, you know, uh, <laughs> it won't be the, the first time. But I did, I did see a lot of stocks that were down 15 20%. The RSI turned positive. The the MACD turned positive, uh, and uh, I would say twenty of them were oil. Twenty of them were oil. So uh, everybody hates oil, and that's usually the best time to buy oil stocks or any other type of stocks. So, you know, um, I, I think the other thing that you know, look, consumer cyclicals are still the number one group in the Dorsey Wright. Uh, System, okay. They're dynamic asset level investing. And, and for those who are listening the first time, Dorsey writes out of Virginia. They do point and figure charts. They're very good at what they do. They're momentum people, and they've been going sideways. And I would suggest that uh, you know things are getting really interesting there. Okay. The other area I think are really getting interesting is financials. I mean, there's a couple major banks and there's a couple small you know uh, new ideas that came out. And I think you got to mix them up in your portfolio. They're starting to turn up, and I'm seeing the 50-day turn up, and they're going to cross over the 200-day any minute now, and I'm seeing the MACD line. If you don't know what that is, you've got to look it up, and the relative strength, RSI is relative strength index. I'm seeing those all turn up on those, uh, so that's kind of interesting. And and look, uh, I do a lot of candlesticks, and I do a lot of uh, things, and I would call Monday kind of a climactic sell-off. Um, and then we had a reversal you know, within a day, so that's usually a positive uh, scenario, um, very, very positive scenario. Uh, and, it, you know, it, it may not be the, the ultimate bottom. It could be. I don't know. Um, I'm, you know, I, I was hoping Friday would be up so I could uh, take it from there. But, look, we did break the uptrend line dating back uh, to, I don't know, November of last year, I guess, you know. So uh, that that's a negative. And that's where – you know, the bullish percent still in the column of O's, so you've got to be looking over your shoulders. I've got a lot of cash right now, and I'm not sure what to do with it, but, you know, that's uh, – actually, I, I've got some ideas, and uh, I just can't tell you about them on the on the show. <laughs> it's that simple. Anyway, uh, so people are asking me, uh, you know, what what's going on? What do you see? Well, this is kind of uh, – is an interesting time, uh, like I said – because the long term, you know, look, the weekly uh, quadrant balance indicator or, or momentum indicator, which is what my good friend Rob Schleimer uses, and uh, I hope to have him back in Cleveland uh, or his first time in Cleveland sometime in the future, or at least do a, uh, a conference call with him. Uh, I, I, you know, th- this is turned down again. And uh, so, you know, not too far from being oversold. The daily is very oversold. Uh, but then again, we you know we did 
you know, breakdown. Now, look, we broke down uh, back in November of, uh, was it, 20, 2020, right before the election. We, we broke down and then rallied above. So maybe we do that again here. I uh, don't know. But the volatility index spiked up to 29, and that's usually a sign that, hey, you know, uh, then you gap back down the next day. So that's usually a, a you know climactic type sign, you know. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, the Russell held; it got beat up a little bit, but it held. So it's still in this con, uh, consolidation between twenty one hundred and twenty three hundred. Uh, and one of the things I did notice is the relative performance has turned up versus the S and P five hundred. And you know, I talked about everybody being bearish all of a sudden. I mean, you go from thirty nine, which is kind of middle of the road. You look when all the when the AAII gets to 60 or 55, 60, that's when you got to worry. <laughs> but when it breaks down for two weeks in a row, that's kind of a silver lining, you know. Uh, and the bear sentiment, you know, uh, was up over 30. So, you know, that's those those are positive things. And we talked about the Citigroup thing. So nobody's expecting anything positive to come out of this. Uh, that's usually when things happen positive, right? Now, what's really interesting is the 10-year yield, you know, it, it broke out. Broke to 170, and you know, I thought I told you if I if it broke 178, that I thought it was going to two. Well, it didn't, <laughs> of course, to make me look bad. It pulled back, and it held 112, and that's made a little double bottom there now. And it didn't really break down last week, even with the market crashing. You know, market going down 800 points, kind of a mini crash, right? And what I'm seeing is the relative strength momentum is showing some evidence of, bo- of bottoming. You know. So that's some, that's some interesting stuff going on because if the 10-year yield goes up, usually if yields are going up, that means small caps, financials, consumer discretionary, that'll be the stuff that goes up. What it may do if interest rates do go up is make P.E. ratios come down, which might hurt technology and software, which is where we've been making our money for the last couple of years. So now – What's really interesting, I think, is is the daily the daily momentum on crude kind of peaked this week. But um, you know, I, I thought we were going to hold sixty seven. We didn't. We went down to sixty two just to make me look bad. Uh, but it's holding up a lot better than anticipated, and I think that's important. And uh, you know, look, I, I was looking at, you know, I look at uh, uh, gold, and uh, to a- answer David's question one more time. You know, gold's monthly momentum was very overbought, okay? And now it's it's below the zero line. So if, if it heads down a little bit, it could turn up. Now, as long as it holds the 1670 mark, I think you're in good shape. And gold relative to copper has been breaking down a little bit, and that's kind of, uh, you know, normal. But, uh, you know, the chart, the, the daily chart looks a lot worse than the, the uh, <laughs> monthly chart. But one of the two things I did notice is, is both the daily and the monthly momentum on gold has, has kind of turned down and might be turning back up. And lumber futures on a weekly basis, the momentum is wiped out and it's starting to turn. So that's that's getting interesting too. So I think we might have another move back up in the in the commodities and uh especially if interest rates go up. It, you know, copper futures, uh the weekly momentum's down now, you know, under zero. So uh you know that's when things turn around. So you, you know you you want to get, don't get so negative on the on the the basic materials and all those type of things like everybody else is. Now if I look at growth versus value, you know growth growth is winning. Okay, so um, 
but they've been going, they've been giving, you know, leadership's been moving back and forth. And that's something you got to pay attention to because nobody likes value right now. <laughs> Although oil led the way last week, which we talked about several weeks in a row. Hey, let's take a break. Remember the phone number here is 216-901-0945. You've got a question. That's 216-901-0945. We'll be right back. Uh, you know, a couple things. Number one, there were six companies uh, last week on our dividend growth portfolio or our prime income list that raised their dividend by an average of 8%. Last week, it was seven. <laughs> what a great way to beat inflation. Slow but sure dividend growth. All right. Uh, uh, dividends are 45% of the return of the S&P 500 for 80 years now. So if you don't think dividends are important and why I pound on them all the time, there you go. Um, by the way, I just had Matt call in or text in or not text in, I mean email in, I'm sorry, and say, Tim, uh, how can I get a hold of you? Well, uh, I answer the phone, by the way, and if you call my office, uh, which is 216-774-8906, that's 216-774-8906. Uh, if, you, if you want to sit down and uh, have a breakfast, coffee, or whatever, you know, sometime during the day and talk about your portfolio. But look, I, I got to talk about wealth plans. You know, people have forgotten that, you know, wealth plans are still important. And our wealth plans are interactive. So they're not going to sit on your desk and, and just gather dust. They're in your computer. Uh, they have updates that kind of draw you to the page uh, constantly. So, you know, something to think about, all right? Um, you know, like I said, if you don't have a plan, you know, Alice said to the treasure cat, which way should I go? And he said, well, where are you trying to get to? And she said, I'm not sure. He says, well, either road will get you there. All right? So if you don't know where you're going, you don't have a chance. <laughs> By the way, I, I have a, a, a client, and he does these what-ifs all the time, and he's pretty paranoid of the stock market, which is good because when he gets bullish, he got bullish in 2000. <laughs> but every time he calls me and, and you know, or, or I see a, you know, an, an email saying he has been playing with the wealth plan, he's going to call me and say, go to, go to 100% cash. And uh, I did talk him out of it, and, uh, you know, and then I tell him to go to more cash and, he says, no, nah, I want to buy something. So he's probably the worst. He's one of the best indicators, contrary indicators there is. Uh, he's a great guy. Uh, he knows who I'm, I'm talking about. We have a lot of fun together. Anyway, uh, I was looking at the transportation index, and a few of these, uh, you know, like FedEx really sold off and a couple other names really sold off. And and then they held. And then they, I started to see a couple of them turn. So, you know, that's important because a bull market, you know, in in Charles Dow's terms, you know, what he called a bull market is when the utilities are at the new high, when the transports are hitting a new high, and when the uh, Dow Jones Industrials are hitting a new high. So we've got one of those hitting a new highs. The other two are close. We'll take them from there. Now, the bullish percent is something we've been looking at for a long, long time on the show, and it's just a matter of, you know, hey, this is a risk-oriented scenario. We, we want to be risk-off as much as possible. And people say, hey, how, how can we have so much cash? Well, look, I mean, we ended the week even 
but the average stock was down. Okay, in, in the S&P 500, the average stock was down 1.6% for the week. That's a big hit for a week, all right? So the, the bullish percent was designed by a protege of Charles Dow. We talk about this every week, and we're going to talk about it every week for the rest of the time I'm on the radio, by the way. It goes from zero to 100. Point and figure charts, okay? Now, we add a couple things here, like dynamic asset level investing. And so far, domestic equities are still the number one asset class. Back in 2007 and eight, when I said the money market's going to outperform the stock market, the money market was the number one asset class. The stock market was last, all right? So that's the good news, all right? That's the good news. Domestic equities are number one. However, we're in a column of O's, and trust me, Things go down a lot faster than they go up in, in the stock market. And if you don't believe that, you haven't been in the market very long. Uh, I can n- give you numerous adva- uh, examples, kind of like FedEx last week. Whew. Goodbye. Okay. Uh, but we're down 5.5%. We're now under 50. It's the first time we've been under 50 for a pretty long time. I mean, dating back to November of last year. Okay. So it's been a whole year. Uh, the small cap index went back into a column of O's. It was down 3.6%, but it's at 42%, okay? So uh, we're getting close to the promised land at 30%. Usually you go below that, you know, just to make sure everybody's paying attention and I can't sleep. The world index went to, is still in the column of X's, but it's very close to, uh, it's a percentage point away from going into O's. It was down 5% for the week. So it was generally a risk-off week for technical indicators is what it comes down to. So uh, I think you got to pay attention to that. And look, uh, the groups that I saw that really did the best this last week were the energy group. Where'd you hear that? <laughs> uh, real estate and uh, consumer discretionary looks like it's turning up again. And the financial sector, there's a couple financial stocks that look like they're going to break out big shortly. All right. So, uh, you know, you look at that, but there was a, you know, the materials and industrials are sectors where we've seen the largest percentage of stocks that have given sell signals in the month of September. Uh, materials are second highest. And so, you know, they've been beaten up a little bit um, simply because there's, you know, we're not shipping a lot of stuff, number one. Number two, there's, there's shortages. Okay. So, uh, and plus China. You know, China's playing games and, We'll see what happens there. But if you look, I, if I look at, you know, like the Dow Jones has had weekly, negative weekly momentum for five weeks. And some of the emerging markets have had positive momentum for four weeks, yet they haven't gone anywhere. So what does that tell you if they go to negative momentum? All right. But, uh, you know, uh, we had the small caps and the mid caps had negative momentum for like 23, 24 weeks each. Then they had positive momentum for two weeks. They just went back to negative momentum again. So that's not good. Now, one thing I will say is the XLG and the QQQs, which are the largest NASDAQ stocks and the largest, uh, you know, the top 50 from the S&P 500, have been negative for eight weeks. So it'll be interesting to see if they turn around. Now, what's, you know, we had the QQQs finally pull back a little bit. They, they broke three, four double tops in a row, I think it was. Uh, so, but you're, you're, you're doing it with less and less stocks. You know, so there's 100 stocks in there, and I think it was 18 stocks that were hitting new highs while the rest of them were sitting. That's not what you want. You want, you know, like I said, you've always, I always tell you that you want the kings and the knights, but you want the foot soldiers, the archers, you know, the supply train behind you because that's how you win wars, right? Now, 
we we moved. Remember, we had one positive sector two weeks ago, so we've moved up. And remember, back in February, I talked about how overbought we were. Okay, and we were in. You know, we had most of our our groups were in the fifty to eighty group. Okay, you know, we go from zero to one hundred with groups too. And now we're moving back. We've got five or six stocks. We uh, we got autos, textiles, biotech, protection services, housing, drugs, and precious metals, all below 30. They're not favored now, but they're below 30. So we've got a, a group. We're moving back below 50, which is good. Now, gaming and banking are positive, favored sectors, but they're at 60. So that's a decent place where you can you can find some stuff. Waste manages, management's at 54. Uh, and that's a pretty good place. And then at 30, well, at 40, is Computers and Wall Street. So that's a really good place to be buying. Uh, below 30 is even better. So what we want to look for is all those names that I first mentioned to reverse back up. And if they're not reversing back up, then you don't want to own them, all right? So uh, uh, biotechnology has been down and healthcare has been down for a long, long time. And, and I wonder when that's going to turn back up because they're basically, they're the heroes, all right? Uh, so we had steel, internet, and building go to unfavored status, and waste, gaming, and compute, computers are most favored. So uh, that's a good sign. You know, that usually means the software and the computer makers are going to do well. Um, and then if we look, uh, one of the things that I thought was really interesting is, uh, you know, the foreign markets uh, led the way. Uh, uh, you know, if, if we look at uh, the frontier markets, I'm sorry. If we look at the three ETFs, Frontier Markets is FM. They led the way. EEM is is a 1.39, and that's with positive momentum. So they're, you know, you want to score above 350. And then the EFA, which is the larger European names, uh, is at three, but they're still not above three and a half. So on the foreign markets, you know, you want to, the Frontier Markets is where you want to be. It's what, as simple as that. Uh, the 10-year Treasury broke 140. Okay, uh, and that was the number we talked about last week, or, or maybe the week before. Um, so that is now a breakout on the yield index. So yield held, even in a week where we were down 800 points at one time on Monday, yield held and turned up. Okay, that usually means things are getting better, folks, not worse, better. Uh, so now. Crude oil has been positive for a couple of weeks. It's interesting. It hasn't really made any ground. And gold has been positive for five weeks, and it hasn't gained any ground. You know, you hate to see when the momentum's positive and the group or whatever it may be are not gaining ground. That's not a good thing. Copper has been negative for a couple of weeks, but I noticed that there's a couple of things that I kind of like on the chart, and we'll see what happens there. Um, natural gas. Boy, we're going to have some people that are going to be very upset when they get their first heating bill. Natural gas has gone from 220 to 530. And, uh, you know, the, the natural gas, UNG, which is the natural gas fund, you know, was, you know, if you would have bought it last year, uh, or, or even if you bought it in January, uh, it was trading at nine and a half. You know, it peaked at 1950 just this last week. All right. Now, uh, if you look at just natural gas, it, I mean, it's really overbought right at the moment, but it's it's gone straight up, okay? So it's, uh, as of this week, I mean, last week, I think it was 110, 115% overbought. Now it's only 75, but 
uh, that's a very interesting uh, scenario in that not many people are long natural gas <laughs> stocks. That is, and uh, they're not. They're definitely not long uh, the oil stocks. So we'll see what happens from there. Um, you know, I, I was looking, and uh, some people have asked me some questions about. Uh, uh, well, I don't know if I can talk about that. <laughs> Let me think about that for a second. But. Uh, you know, I, I think this this energy thing is something you all better pay attention to because uh, Mr. Biden has basically cut off the two biggest pipelines to America, and I think I think these guys are going to be making a lot of money. You know, so hey, let's take a break. And like I said, the number here is two one six nine zero one zero nine four five two one six nine zero one zero nine four five. We'll be right back with insiders. Stay tuned. Tuned in, this is Smart Investor Show, and I uh, usually take this last time to kind of sum things up, but I also talk about insiders. And uh, look, uh, we talked about Asana uh, back when it was 58. It's now 115. That's in two months, folks, two months, all right? It's actually 120. Uh, so there we go. Um, you know, there's been a couple things that I, I think are kind of interesting, um, and, you know, it, Names that uh, are, you probably won't see because uh, I get a couple special reports here, um, and and I think you'll find uh, some of these names very interesting because not many people are talking about them. But uh, Telebio, uh, there was a buyer. Edwards Life Science is basically the company. They bought 1.8 million dollars with the stock, and uh, th- then then we had. Um, a bunch of people buy Tyra Biosciences. Uh, we had um, the Box Group and RA, RA Capital bought $7.2 million. The Box Group bought $6.6 million. And uh, then a, a, one of their uh, VPs bought $4 million. So that's kind of interesting, too. TransBio, I, uh, this was really interesting because Santa Fe uh, bought – like $25 million with the stock. <laughs> and Avilio Therapeutics, Armistice Capital, bought uh, $45 million worth of stock, which is always good. And then Biogene, uh, we had a uh, hedge fund buy $18.9 million worth of stock. Uh, so, uh, and, and then this is a real interesting one because uh, this is the, you know, it's Myovent Sciences and uh, Samito, bought uh, about $6.9 million, and, and they've bought several times in the past. I think they own $64, $65 million for the stock. And remember, insiders, especially big institutions, know these companies pretty well, and they're trust me, when they're putting that kind of money up, they're sharpening their pencil, <laughs> right? They, they're looking at things and saying, hey, we're in good shape. Uh, you know, so... That's something to, to consider when you're you're looking at them. Um, we also had uh, ATER, which is uh, um, it's Aterin. We had uh, a couple insiders buy 1.4 million dollars worth, and then uh, we we have a uh, several names that 
I think are very interesting. Um, you know, last week we talked about CMI Commercial Trust. We had a couple more buyers there of the tune of about $9.1 million. Remember, there was like eight people that bought there last week. Uh, it got a decent dividend, too. Uh, you know, uh, I think it's a three. 370, 380 yield. And then also uh, we had uh, Circuit Class A. We have Abdeal, which is smart money by $9 million worth. And uh, so that's that's always uh, something you want to pay close attention to, I think. Uh, you know, these, these guys aren't, uh, aren't dummies. <laughs> uh, also, and we had an Oscar Healthcare. Remember uh, uh, Joshua Kushner, Jerry's little brother, uh, bought a ton of that stock, you know, in the four or five million dollars, uh, four or five million share range. And I just noticed their CEO, Mario Kessler, bought 57,000 shares uh, on, what was that, Wednesday? Yeah, Wednesday. So that's a, a lot of buying. And uh, then, then we also have uh, Alpine Immune Systems, where we had uh, a director by uh, Port. $14, $15 million worth of stock, another director by uh, $9.5 million, Orbit Mid Advisors, which is very smart money, by $9.5 million. So I uh, like seeing that. And then uh, Jay Schottenschein, who's a, who knows retail, <laughs> he bought designer brands. He bought 800,000 shares. That's about $10 million. And then he bought uh, another 600,000 shares, about $7.6 million. Then he bought another 88,000 shares. Uh, so he's been buying a lot of uh, designer brands. So that'll be really interesting to see how that goes on. And then uh, Viridian Therapeutics, we had uh, Fairmont Funds Management, which is very smart money by $10 million worth. And uh, Gulfport, Silver Point Capital, which is really smart when it comes to oil. Uh, they bought $4.7 million worth of stock. And Paul uh, Schimmel, who's a very bright guy, you should look him up. Uh, he, he bought um, uh, of life, uh, he, he he bought quite a bit, so you know you always like seeing that. Uh, you know, uh, uh, I'm sorry, it's A tier pharmaceuticals. Life is the symbol, uh, so that's really good. And then here's one that I don't know. It's called Exact Holdings, an exchange traded uh, fund. I had a director buy uh, 950,000, then the president CEO buy 608, uh, then a director buy 475,000, another director buy. Uh, well, actually, he's a CFO, bought 380. Um, and there was a couple other guys, uh, 190000 you know, so that's a multiple buy, all right? So there we go. So once again, I think uh, if I'm, I'm looking at things and I'm wondering about, you know, where I am, I talked about high beta versus low beta. High beta now is the value stocks. And we're at that area where we, you know, kind of the battle lines are drawn, okay? And so we have about a four or five-month consolidation in the high beta stocks versus the low volatility index, which, you know, which believe it or not is technology and stuff like that. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, you know, cause the high beta dominated the, the market for the first half of this year and then went away. Just, you know, basically just stopped going up and that's, but it didn't go down. Okay. <laughs> and that's the important part when things don't go down, they're consolidating. That's a very positive thing. You know, somebody asked me, I think John asked me about small caps earlier today. Well, small caps have been in a consolidation now for about five or six months. 
They did that back in 2017, right before they made a big run. Okay. And, uh, you know, we thought interest rates were going up uh, and then COVID hit and obviously things uh, changed a little bit. So, uh, you know, if the interest rates, that, you know, that looks like to me are, are heading back up again based on the technical analysis and, and what some of the other people are saying, um, we could have a situation where you have new leadership. You know, the financials are low PE. They're the cheap. Our financials are in the best shape. Our banks are in the best shape they've been. Our financial companies are in the best shape they've been since I've been in the business. Okay? Oil and gas companies, where nobody's paying attention to, are now talking about cash flow. They're making sure that they're, you know, they're, they're judging or they're, they're uh, looking at their performance based on cash flow. That's never happened before either. That's a big, big change. So I also think consumer cyclicals uh, will be very, very big once uh, we get over, you know, they'll, they'll start to uh, show leadership again if this Delta virus goes away. And the, the numbers I'm seeing are seeing less and less cases. So uh, that's a good thing, right? A very, very positive thing. And people keep asking me growth versus value. You know, I've talked about this. Growth has shown leadership and then died, and then value shown leadership and then died. I would say in in the large caps, growth is winning the battle. In the small caps or the mid caps, it's been more value lately. And in the small caps, it's neither one of them. They're just both going sideways. <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see. The small, Like I said, if the small caps break above, uh, you know, uh, 20 – I gotta, sorry, I gotta switch charts here. Um, Twenty six. No, hold on. There it is. Twenty three sixty. Uh, that's what I was looking for. Uh, that would be very, very positive. Uh, extremely positive. That'd be a breakout for about a five, six month consolidation, and I think that'd be very good. Now, supports at twenty two hundred. And 2100 is the final line in the sand, I think. So if, if that were to occur, that would be a lower high, and, and the lower highs is not where you want to be. But I really think it's important that the relative performance is turned positive versus the S&P 500. So what would I do? Uh, well, first of all, if you want to have um, a cup of coffee with me or you'd like to have, you know, even breakfast, whatever, let's uh, call us, you know, uh, or you can go to – WHK's webpage, okay, WHK1420, local podcast down to Smart Investor Show and Tim Hayes. goes directly to my webpage. There's all sorts of contact me, email me's on there. And let's sit down and talk about a wealth plan and how we can position your portfolio for the future, all right? Because uh, in my humble opinion, asset allocation has uh, saved some people from not getting wealthy lately, uh, and I, I think it's uh, – it's, but it's also important that if you if you don't want to get poor, you have some asset allocation. And that's what we do here. What we do is we rank it by relative strength. So if you'd like to do that, sit down and talk with us. In the meantime, like I said, we are going to be bumped uh, on October 9th, October 16th, and October 23rd by football. And that's the way it goes sometimes. Uh, but also, while you're there, you can sign, you know, you go to my webpage. Look at Rob Schleimer's stuff on Trend and Cycle on the first page, and then look at Insights. There's a lot of good stuff on there. We rotate the, the information weekly. You can also get the U.S. Electrical Grid and our RBC Markets Global Energy Power Infrastructure Virtual Conference 
believe me, this stuff's going to be important, I think, going forward, just because nobody's paying attention. A Business Owner's Guide to Transition Planning, the Savvy Investor's Credit Workbook. Companies are putting out debt like there's nobody's business. They're selling their debt at the low. Okay, so it doesn't cost them any money. Shouldn't you? Money Matters for the Young Professionals, Women and Wealth uh, as a Planning Guide. And then, you know, we have our dividend growth portfolio, our prime income list. Also, uh, our best ideas, small cap, large cap, multi-cap, we get them all. So uh, if you're interested, all you have to do is say, hey, Tim, I'd like these. In the meantime, uh, if you'd like to have coffee, like I said, give us a call. Uh, my number's on that on that page. Uh, and... Uh, you can hit contact me, whatever. That's uh, That'll happen also, so it's good stuff. In, uh, in the meantime, it's supposed to be kind of – it looks like it's going to rain because I'm looking out the window, so uh, it'll be a tough day to go play golf. <laughs> in the meantime, the U.S. is ahead on the Ryder Cup, which is really good, and we'll, we'll take it from there. Uh, look, uh, as we always say on this show, remember to buy low, sell high, but have a great weekend, and uh, may the force be with you. See you later. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. That's 888-223-7742. Or visit his website, rbcwmfa.com slash Tim Hayes. That's all one word in the address bar, rbcwfma.com slash Tim Hayes. Please join us again next Saturday for the Smart Investor Hour to hear more smart investing from Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.